Hello, and welcome to Middle Church Online. I'm Natalie. I'm the digital minister here at Middle. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. Thank you for coming. Um, we have new members to welcome this Sunday, so let's get right into that and our opening hymn. But before we do, let's take a deep centering breath together. And let us worship God. Membership means signing on for the vision of God's reign. Membership means participating in the life of the congregation. Membership means proclaiming that you belong to God and you will use your gifts generously for God's work. Membership means claiming God's claim on you. Today, we welcome to Middle Church these children of God. Friends, do you claim Middle Church as your church? If so, Say, I do. I do. I do. I do. Will you give with your heart your gifts to this congregation and to the larger church? If so, say, I will. I will. I will. Mm -hmm. Will you love and share with this community in the ministry of Jesus? If so, say, I will. I will. Will you learn and study so as to grow in faith? If so, say, I will. I will and to this congregation. Do you promise to love, encourage, and support these people of God by being the gospel of God's love and by giving the strong support of God's people in prayer and in deed? If so, say we will. New members, please introduce yourself and uh, your pronouns. I'm Frances McKnight and my pronouns are she and her. And I wanted something that would give me meaning. Hi, I'm Jay. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Excited to be in a deeper relationship with this church. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Drew Wetke, and I've been bopping around middle for the last few years, uh, but I decided to uh, finally make membership official here. Hi, I'm Mickey Carson. My pronouns are she, her. I'm in the Chicago suburbs. I'm drawn to Middle Church because of the inclusiveness. Hi, my name is Jennifer Wells, too. My pronouns are she, her. I'm in Bethlehem, Connecticut with my mom. And I am so excited to be part of a church that is active in life and in love. I'm Andrea Wells, and my pronouns are she and her. And I'm... Um, thrilled about the inclusive nature and the intelligent nature of Middle Church. Let us pray. God of grace and mercy, thank you for the gifts of these new members. Thank you that we are all your children. Make us more like you in all we say and do and help us to be your hands and your feet in the world. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Here we go. Si tu puedes, si tu puedes, cántalo, cántalo, cántalo. Si tu puedes, cántalo, cántalo, cántalo. One more time. Si tu puedes, cántalo, cántalo, cántalo. Si tu puedes, cántalo. The first new light of the rise. 
talking about humility. Do you know what humility is? I have a picture of a friend who knew a lot about humility. His name is Mr. Rogers, and he had an entire neighborhood. This is a picture of Mr. Rogers and Mr. Francois Clemens. Not too long ago, black and brown and white people were segregated. They couldn't drink from the same water fountains or swim in the same swimming pools or sit in the same classrooms. Mr. Clemens and Mr. Rogers knew it wasn't right to separate people based on the color of their skin. So they put their feet in a pool together and Mr. Rogers washed Mr. Clemens' feet. He was showing us humility. Humility is when you don't believe that you're more important or more valuable than anyone else. Jesus was also a very humble person. And today, during the sermon, you're going to learn just how humble Jesus was. What are some ways that we can be like Jesus and develop our humility this week? Can we listen to someone without interrupting them? Or maybe we can learn more about Hispanic heritage and our Latinx siblings as Hispanic Heritage Month comes up. Or maybe, just like Jesus taught us, we can look to the interests of others more than we look at our own interests. Let's pray about humility. God, help us to have humble spirits. Instead of being selfish, help us to be obedient and to love others. Amen. And as my friend Mr. Rogers said, you make every day special by just your being you. Bye friends. Shut
everybody, Reverend Amanda here. I'm one of the pastors at Middle Church. Now I'm gonna take a minute now and let you know a couple of the exciting things that are happening in the life of Middle. First of all, I hope you'll make plans to join us this Thursday at 7 p.m. for our next Freedom Lab, Understanding the Battle for the Soul of the Nation. Now more than ever, it is imperative that we are informed citizens and that we can move towards November with as much information and motivation we can have. Secondly, a week from today is our homecoming celebration. Make plans to join us for a wonderful worship celebration that we have planned. And then afterwards, either online or in person, from one o'clock to two o'clock, we have a homecoming fair. Come and join us in front of Middle Church where we will be partaking in communion, and talking to you about all the ways to get involved in the life of middle this year, or join us in the chat and chew space at one o'clock for a virtual fair. That also means that you have one week left, that's seven days to make your homecoming pledge. And finally, we are a community that cares for one another, but we can't care for each other unless we know what's going on. So please take a moment when you can, drop us a line in the prayer portal let us know how to pray for you. Let us know if you need financial assistance or if you'd like to speak to a pastor. And don't forget that you can call our prayer line, the Middle Church number, extension four or five, anytime throughout the week to hear scripture and to say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's continue to be a community that values care. And speaking of care and connection, let's move now into a time of prayer. Today's prayer will be through song. Let's pray together now. I'm gonna sing to the spirit, who's in my heart, I'm gonna sing to the spirit, who's in my heart, I'm gonna sing to the spirit, who's in my heart, I'm gonna sing till Jesus comes. I'm gonna sing to the spirit, who's in my heart, I'm gonna sing to the spirit, who's in my heart, I'm gonna sing to the spirit, who's in my heart, I'm gonna sing to the spirit, who's in my heart, I'm gonna sing to the spirit, Oh, my Jesus, 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 oh, my Jesus,
And now let's pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray in whatever language or version is comfortable to you. Let's pray. Ever loving and holy God, how will it be your name? Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. everybody. God's peace is a gift that we can share with one another. And so I wish you peace now and always. Peace be with you. The peace of God be with you. We miss you, middle. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Smile is the best to fight against fires. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, middle church. Sending love and peace from Southern California. Peace be with you, Middle Church. Just want to wish everyone a big, loving peace be with you during this hard time of this COVID-19. Peace be with you from Brooklyn. Hey, Middle family. I know these are crazy times, so I just wanted to sing you a little message of peace. Peace be with you, Middle family. Peace be with you, middle. I miss you so much. I can't wait to see you again and give you a big hug. In the midst of all the things that are happening in the world, sometimes we become indifferent to things because it's just too much. There's just too much that hits us, and so we shut down. And then when we shut down, we pull out. And this song says, please don't let me be indifferent to the pain. To the injustice to the wars, to the deceit, to the future where it seems hopeless. Ground me in those things that I may be stronger.
Good morning, Middle. Today's scripture comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in the human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on the earth, and every tongue should confess 
that Jesus Christ is our Lord. There, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Middle. My name is Brian, and it is so good to be with you today. I want to start with a question that so many of us have dealt with before. What do you do when you've been lied to your entire life about who you are, your value, and your place in this world? I thought I'd start with something sort of light, okay? Maybe it began when your parents said you're not good enough, or an educator told you you're not smart enough, or a pastor said you're not straight enough. Maybe it was written into the U.S. Constitution that you're only worth three-fifths of a person or that you are a savage. What do you do when surrounding culture says that you're, you're too poor, you're too dark, you're too gay to sit with us, to work with us, to be guaranteed the same inalienable rights as us white land-owning men? As the artist Lecrae says that when you've been told for 400 years you're worthless and trained to hate your skin, it starts to sink in. And tragically, many of us have succumbed to the lies that people in power tell about us. And to this day, we struggle to embrace who we really are. But I also know that there are many of us, especially right here at Middle, who have gone through the extraordinarily painful work of separating the white lies of oppression from the truth of God, who says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I get an amen over here in the chat box? I mean, your life is to be celebrated, not denigrated or segregated in any way. And because you've done the work, because you've got new community, because you've rejected the, the value that other people place on your life, you've not only come out stronger than ever and committed to live freely yourself, you're also committed to setting others free as well. But for just a moment, I want to ask a question to folks who look a little bit more like me. Is it possible that we have been lied to about who we are and our value in this world as well? If not directly, then indirectly through culture and privilege. That because of my skin color, gender, and orientation, none of which I had any control over, by the way. Like, I'm more superior than, more valuable than, worth more than others. I mean, what do we do? What do I do when confronted with this truth? I could get defensive. I could start talking about how hard I've worked to get where I am today, and I have worked hard, but I've also had a far different starting line and far fewer obstacles than many others. I could deny it, call it fake news. I could gaslight everybody. I could, I could put on earmuffs and tune out all the voices in my head except for those that agree with my perspective. But let me tell you a little secret. Come close, come close. Every single time I get defensive or deny the truth when it's put in front of me, my heart has to grow harder in order to keep the truth from penetrating it. 
And so you take my fragile ego and my hardening heart and you multiply it by 400 years and millions of folks like me. And the outcome is a country that defends a 17-year-old minor who crosses state lines with a borrowed weapon in order to, quote, protect property and to condemn <clears throat> a black man for getting shot in the back, a black woman for shot, being shot while sleeping or jogging, or eating, or reading, or playing video games, or simply walking through Ferguson with their hands up. I mean, we, we have believed a lie for 400 years and succumbed to this, this idea that we're worth no more than the color of our skin. We don't know who we are, and so when we're confronted with what ought to be a beautiful revelation that we are all God's children. Somehow we don't hear it as good news because we have been enculturated to live in fear that what we stole from others is going to be taken from us rather than believing that in God's beloved community there is enough for everyone. So we've got to begin to untangle ourselves from the lies of white supremacy and to believe the truth that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We as white people, we've got to do some self-examination. We've got to discover who we are beneath the color of our skin. As Reverend Jackie Lewis says, unexamined whiteness is almost as dangerous as extroverted racism. Author James Baldwin, civil rights leader Ruby Sales, both say that when, when white people learn to accept and love themselves, we will no longer have a race problem. So, so what would be a better way to respond when we're confronted with the truth about the lies we've been taught to believe about ourselves? Well, I think many of us participated in Jackie's masterclass on how to be an anti-racist. And one of the things she said is that we've got to listen to and learn from voices that we would otherwise not know or maybe uh, even consider. And so to do that, I want to take us all the way back to 1968, long before I was born. March 16th, when Bobby Kennedy announced his candidacy for president. For the previous 10 years, he and his brother John had been confronted with the truth about America, that although they were the descendants of wealthy immigrants from Ireland who were now rising in power in the United States and sort of live in the American dream, there were millions of other Americans who were suffering from racist policies that were keeping them from similar opportunities. As Attorney General, Bobby Kennedy was confronted by Fannie Lou Hamer and John Lewis about racial injustice in the South. He visited the poverty-stricken areas of Mississippi, the eastern hills of Kentucky, and the streets of LA in order to understand a different story than the one he experienced growing up in one of his three homes along the East Coast. And through it, he was transformed. But perhaps no one had more influence on Bobby's developing perspective than the co-founders of the United Farm Workers Movement, Dolores Huerta and Cesar Chavez. Just six days before he announced his candidacy, he joined Dolores and Cesar, who had just completed a 25-day hunger strike in solidarity with farm workers in California who were demanding fair wages. He listened to the farm workers and then he joined them on the picket line. Now, I'm not saying this to herald Bobby too much, but to, but to say this, 
that he learned what to do with his power. And that is the same thing that Dolores and Cesar and Fannie Lou Hamer and John Lewis were doing with theirs. Listening to the people and then leveraging it for the good of humanity. Bobby was so influenced by these four leaders who were also beaten and bloodied and arrested multiple times for leveraging their power for the good of humanity. And when Bobby joined them in the fight, he was killed. Just moments before Bobby was shot on June 5th, 1968, he stood in front of a California crowd with Dolores Suerta by his side and he repeated a refrain that he had said on March 16th. I have seen the inexcusable and ugly deprivation which causes children to starve in Mississippi, black citizens to riot in LA, and young indigenous people commit suicide because they lacked all hope. I think we can find answers to these problems, that we can make progress. It will not be easy, but we can do better. We can work together to heal the divisions in our country. Now, in the wake of Bobby's death, not to mention his brothers, Martin Luther King's, and many other civil rights leaders, so many folks wanted to give up because the cost of freedom is so high. But in the middle of this, Dolores Huerta stood in front of the farm workers and said, if we give up, everyone loses. And out of this came a slogan that would stimulate the farm workers to rise up and demand that they get what they deserve. Si, se puede. Si, se puede. Say that with me. Si, se puede. Si, se puede. 30 years later, a community organizer out of Chicago who would go on to become the first African-American president of the United States would adopt this slogan for his campaign. Yes, we can. Now compare everything we just reviewed with June 16th, 2015. A grandson of German immigrants and the son of a wealthy New York real estate tycoon descends from his penthouse on Fifth Avenue and stands in front of a paid audience not only to declare his candidacy for the Oval Office but that the migrant workers, the same ones that Cesar and Dolores were standing in solidarity with, were criminals whose children deserve to be locked in cages. Unlike Bobby, who was shot, he said he could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot other people and not lose a single supporter. He would build walls, he would close borders, he would sign transphobic and xenophobic executive orders, all in an effort to, quote, make America great again. You see, the question, friends, is not whether we have power, is what are we going to do with the power in our hands? Will we leverage it for the common good or will we only leverage it for our good? You know, the passage that John read just a few moments ago from the book of Philippians in the Bible says that Jesus had equal power with God, but he did not exploit it for his own advantage. He gave it up. He shared it. He leveraged it for the good of humanity. And so the question is, what are you going to do with your power and with your agency? Because no matter who you are or where you're from, you've got it. As the scriptures say, 
y a Dios que es poderoso para hacer todas las cosas mucho más abundantemente de lo que pedimos o entendemos según el poder que actúa en nosotros. Según el poder que actúa en nosotros. God's power is at work within us. How are we going to use it? Will we use it for our own sake? Or can we leverage it for the good of humanity? Si se puede. Si se puede. Wow. So what will we do with our power? I've been thinking a lot about the life and legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and how beautifully and diligently she used her power for the good of humanity. My name is Jennifer Coleman, and I'm here to invite you to join the movement. I joined Middle Church in 2007, 2008-ish via the Subway ad campaign, if anyone remembers the Subway ad campaign. I had been looking for a church with some of the churchy formality of my upbringing, but I wanted one that welcomed everyone just as they were, just as they walked through the door. The first time I attended Middle, Reverend Jackie was reading a letter of reprimand from the collegiate churches, punishing us or reprimanding Middle for, for the support that we had of marriage equality. And I thought, wow, social justice, getting into trouble for good. This might be my church. But what sealed the deal was seeing an entire sermon preached by Frog and Toad, social justice and puppets. I was completely hooked. I became a member and shortly thereafter, I became a very proud member of the Jerese Johnson Gospel Choir, which has been one of the, the most valuable gifts of my life. But what does it mean for me to be a member? Middle asks me for my time and my talents and my treasure. And let's be honest, sometimes I have way more of those things than other times, but I believe it's not the amount, it's really taking the action, literally putting my money where my mouth is. It's a way to use my power for good. And there's a reason why campaigns push for funds at critical moments. We need money to fuel action. So how can you join the movement? You can sign up to become a member. You can donate. Your support, our support powers this movement. From now until homecoming, we're push pushing for every person to make a gift of some kind. $2, $20, $200, no gift is too small. Every single gift matters. Even in these difficult times, we can't underestimate the impact of our generosity. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Let's get to 100% participation together. So how can you donate, you might ask? You can go to Middle's website at middlechurch.org slash donate and click the donate button. I personally am signed up for a regular donation through Middle Church's website, which makes it very easy. You don't even have to think about it. You can find us on Facebook and click the donate button. You can make a gift via text message. You text your, the amount of your gift to 917-924-4666. Lastly, you can send your gift through Venmo, which is fun. Our username is at Middle Collegiate Church. Middle needs us to empower love and justice in our community. We do have the power and we can't do it without us. We can't do it without our help and your help. And I invite you to join us. God said I can, I can, yeah.
if God said I can, I can. Amen. Amen. Now let us pray. Most holy and loving God, all things come of thee, and we love you and we thank you for every opportunity to give. Now bless these gifts and may they be multiplied for your work throughout the earth. Amen. worship up in here today. Thank you everyone for making it so amazing. I can't believe it's already the end of September. The end of September. Where did the time go? I'm not sure. But what I'm delighted about is that next Sunday I will be with you. I will be with you preaching live from where? A little surprise. And Amanda and Marlene and I serving communion outside on the front steps at one o'clock. I hope that you'll come and be with us. In the meantime, in the meantime, as fall creeps upon us, may God bless and keep you. May God make her face to shine upon you. May God be absolutely gracious unto you and give you peace now and always. Amen. See you soon.